Well, good morning once again, and as you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is a very special day for us as a church. For those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a very special day. This is the day we celebrate as the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection from the dead, the resurrection from the grave. He conquered sin and death and hell and the grave. And we we rejoice in that today. Praise God. And it is the resurrection of Jesus that assures us of His and ultimately our victory over death. Because He conquered death through faith in Christ, we too can know that we have victory over death. I would say, simply put... Jesus died so that we would not have to experience eternal death. Jesus died so that we would not have to experience eternal separation from God, eternal punishment for our sins, which, which in fact God's word reminds us we deserved. But God sent his son, Jesus, to take our place. And he died on a cross, and he was buried, and then he rose again so that we could experience eternal life. And we praise God for that today. Amen? Easter is really all about coming to a point in our lives where we understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior. That Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins. Easter is about recognizing that nothing that we can do can save us. No amount of good works can save us. Nothing can save us from the penalty of our sins except the shed blood of Jesus. And if you come to that understanding, then you've got to accept that, that forgiveness of sins is only through faith in Jesus Christ. God's Word makes that plain. Jesus offers himself in your place. And accepting him by faith means you have new life in Christ. You have been forgiven your sins. And we rejoice in that today at at this reminder of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really what it means to be saved. It's always good to be reminded of these things. Always good. You may have heard these things so many times, but it's always good to be reminded of those truths. These truths are so important, so foundational to our walk with the Lord. But maybe some of you are here today and you've never heard that before. Or maybe you've heard it and you just haven't believed that. You're struggling with believing that. In fact, many people have a superficial understanding of what it means to be a Christian. You ask some and some would say... I'm pretty good. I'm not terrible. I mean, certainly I've told a little, you know, white lie here and there, and certainly I've kind of been selfish, you know, here and there, but I'm not terrible. I'm pretty good. I don't harm others. I'm not too selfish. (laughs) I do nice things for people. I mean, certainly God would accept me. I mean, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You should meet my neighbor. You should meet that guy I work with. I'm not as bad as him. I mean, right? Others think that, well, my grandparents took me to church when I was a youngster. Or my parents took me to church when I was a youngster. I've been in church before. They think I've, you know, I've gone to church. God's got to be okay with me because of that. 
The scriptures tell us, God's word tells us that we must be born again. We must be born again. We must have new life in Christ. We must be made new in Jesus. We must pass from death, the death that's ours because of the trespasses that we're guilty of, our sins. We must pass from from the death of trespasses and sins into new life through faith in Lord Jesus Christ, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So what does new life in Christ look like? What should it look like? And how can I know if I've truly trusted in Jesus Christ to forgive me and save me from my sins? I mean, we're here this Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and to understand fully what that means. We need to grasp and the depths of this gift that God is giving us through Jesus Christ. By faith in Him, we can be forgiven our sins and become Christians. And that, that term sometimes gets misused. Some people say, I'm a Christian, and yet... When it comes down to it, they don't really understand that that to be a Christian means that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for his finished work for your sins. You're not trying to be a Christian. You are a Christian through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that look like? What should it look like? And how can I know if I've trusted in Jesus Christ to forgive me and save me from my sins? I want you to turn with me this morning to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. If you have a copy of the scriptures in your hands, and I hope you do, maybe you're not sure where 1 John 3 is. It's almost at the end of the Bible. Turn back from the, the last couple of books there, right before Jude and Revelation. 1 John chapter 3. The passage I want you to look at with me this morning is God's word to us about what the lives of those people who have passed from death to life whose sins have been forgiven, what their lives should look like. God's Word, the Bible, shows us what our lives should look like if we have received forgiveness for our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3, go to verse 16. And I want to read verses 16 through 18. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. 1 John 3, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children... Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now I want you to note this first. If you want to know what your life should look like, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, then you have got to look for the evidence of love. You've got to examine your own life and and ask yourself, do I see evidence of love? The evidence of new life in Christ is love. In fact, love is why Jesus came to die for our sins. It's in the familiar words of John 3.16. 
For God so loved, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And as that verse makes clear, those who believe in Jesus receive what? They receive eternal life. And we understand that the scriptures make it clear that that means they've been forgiven their sins. They are not going to be held accountable for their sins. They are not going to be separated from God for all eternity being punished for those sins because Jesus Christ was the acceptable sacrifice. They are forgiven their sins and they do not face eternal punishment for those sins. They do not face eternal separation from God for those sins. Praise God that we have this precious gift from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to our passage here in 1 John 3, if you want to know if you've truly trusted in Jesus Christ, if you want to know if you have truly received the gift of forgiveness from sins that God gives freely to all who believe in His Son, then you've got to look at your life for the evidence of love. But how do we know what love is? We've got all kinds of definitions in the world in which we live about what love is. And sometimes our pop music doesn't help. We don't quite understand what love is if that's where we're getting our definition. I always like to go to God's Word for definitions about important things like that. How do we know what love is? And what kind of love is this passage talking about? Is this a Kind of like a, a touchy-feely kind of love? Is this an emotional kind of love? Does, it, does this mean that we just go around telling each other that we love each other all the time? I didn't see any of you doing that this morning. I, I was paying attention as you came in. I didn't see anybody doing that, going up to each other, I love you. And, and the other person, I love you. And the other person back, no, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you. I didn't see any of that. Is that what this is talking about? Because if it is, none of us are Christians. Because <laughs> I didn't see that this morning. How do we define what love is? What kind of love is God's Word talking about here this morning? Look at verse 16 again. By this we know love. Right there is a red flag, is a reminder that you're going to get a definition. Here's a definition. By this we know love. Here it comes. Here's the definition. That He laid down His life for us. Who's the He? The He is Jesus. When we celebrate His resurrection today, the He is Jesus. That He laid down His life for us And, and we're still talking about the definition here, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. I want you to note first here that Jesus is our definition for love. If you say, I have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then I'm here to remind you that your definition for love, the love that ought to show up in your life, is Jesus Christ. Your definition for love is Jesus 
You look at his life. You look at what he did. You look at what the scriptures say about what Jesus did for your definition about how you ought to be growing in the same kind of love that Jesus had. If we really want to know what kind of love should be seen in the lives of believers in Jesus, then we've got to look to Jesus. We've got to look to him. He is and must be our definition of the love that believers should have, should be growing in. Now we can know what love is because Jesus demonstrated it to us when he laid down his life for us. So by God's definition, love is more than words. We can see that in the passage we're looking at this morning. By God's definition, love is more than words like, I love you. You think about it. If, if love wasn't more than words, if love simply was words, then God could have said, well, I, I feel sorry for you. I feel badly for you. I love you, and I feel badly for you. He could have just said something and done nothing. And where would we be? Still separated from God by our sins. And by God's definition, love is more than a feeling. Or God could have just felt sorry for us, and we would still be headed for punishment for our sins. And so by God's definition, we need to understand this. And we've been told this before. I'm, I'm guessing you've heard this before. Love is a choice. Can I encourage you just for a moment? And this, is, this seems like a rabbit trail. <laughs> but husbands and wives, can I encourage you in this? That God's word teaches us. You might feel like you fell in love at one point. But for, for people who are married, love has to be a choice. You have to choose to love your spouse sometimes. And I can see all husbands and wives going, uh-huh, yeah, you're not kidding, right? We have to choose to love out of obedience to God's word. God says love, and we, and we have to obey, whether we feel like it or not. Thank, I thank God that God's love for us is not based on a feeling, By God's definition, love is more than a feeling. Or God could have just felt sorry for us and we would still be headed for eternal separation from God, eternal punishment for our sins. So by God's definition, we need to understand that love is a choice of the will that shows itself in concrete action, that shows itself in movement, in action. And that's the example of Jesus as seen in verse 16. That God's word shows us here. We, we also hear it in other places in God's word, such as in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, which says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know if that passage moves you like it moves me, but every time I read that, I think of my sin and how I offend a holy God with my sin. And how incredible it is that God looks at my sin 
and looks beyond my sin and sees his son, and even knowing that I would be a sinner, and even knowing that I would live in rebellion to him, rebellion against his righteous commands, he sent his son to be a sacrifice for me, to be a sacrifice for you, for your sins. How incredible is that? So even though we've separated ourselves from God by our sin, God showed his love in a tangible way. He moved. He took action. He did something. He didn't just feel badly for us. He didn't just say something that that identified himself as feeling badly for us. He did something. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. And because of that today, we say, praise God, he's risen, he's risen indeed. We rejoice as we sang the the hymns this morning, the choruses, the songs we sang, and we rejoice in this truth. So John says in verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And we see here in the second half of verse 16 that next thing, that that example of Jesus that teaches us about love. Jesus shows us how to love. We can see it there in the second half of verse 16, can't we? Jesus shows us how to love, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And verses 17 and 18 explains, because we might look at that and go, lay down my life? I don't think I'm going to be asked to do that. To lay down my physical life for my brother, for, for, for fellow believers. I don't think I'm going to be asked. And, and I would suggest at the point in time we are in our, in our culture, we're not, we're not asked to do that, are we? We don't face that. In some places in the world today, there are some believers who are giving their very lives for their faith. But we don't face death, face death do we? We don't face death. But we do, we do face some serious problems of our own that we need to deal with if we're going to be willing to give up ourselves for the sake of those around us because God's Word teaches us how to love. And he introduces the idea of how we're to love with that phrase at the end of verse 16. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It's not likely that any of us are going to be called on to give up our life, but God is calling us to give up ourselves. We understand the word selfish, don't we? God is calling us to give up ourselves. So look at verses 17 and 18 again. Because we we get a better understanding of what, what this means at the end of verse 16 by looking at those two verses. Verse 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And then verse 18, Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. So John says two things about how we are to love. First of all, love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. 
That's why we have to go back to the beginning and think of, you know, what's the definition for love? Well, the definition of love is that love is a choice. We can see that God chose to do something about our sins because He loved us. The Lord Jesus Christ chose to obey the Father and was crucified because He loved us. Love is sacrificial. It's a choice. It's not so much someone taking something from you and you would say, well, that's a sacrifice. No, it's you giving something willingly. You see, the love of Jesus was clearly sacrificial. He laid down his life for us. We had a debt we could not pay. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the debt that he did not owe. That's sacrificial. And verse 17 makes it clear that if the love of God is in us, the question of helping others in need will not be a question at all. You see, what we're finding here in the text of God's Word is that we're learning here that love means putting others first. We're selfish, and putting others first is a lot harder than than sometimes we think it is. Putting others first, we think, well, maybe I'll um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll do the dishes after supper this you know one one day this week. I'll put my wife first that way. I'll do the dishes one day this week, or or I'll I'll pick up his dirty laundry one day this week. Well, that's a start. Would you agree? That's a start. But that's not exactly what we're seeing here, is it? We're talking about sacrifice for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 17 makes it clear that if the love of God is in us, the question of helping others will not be a question. What can I do? I'm not sure you know, if, if this would be the, a sacrificial thing to do or not. It shouldn't be a question in our minds as to whether we should. The love of Christ is not stingy. It is not selfish. It is not cold. It is not uncaring. The love of God at work in believers ought to cause believers to look outside themselves. Looking not to themselves first, but looking to the needs of those around them first. See, that's what we see when we look at the sacrifice of Christ for sinners. The sacrificial element of God's love is not seen solely in the fact that Jesus died for us. It's in the fact that He laid down His life for us while we were still rebelling against Him. As Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Now, what does that say about his love? And what does that say about the kind of love that we're to have for others? His love, it says that his love was unselfish. It says that his love was sacrificial. And if we have eternal life, if our sins have been forgiven, then we're going to learn what it is to practice unselfish, sacrificial love. And I would suggest, yes, that we are going to learn... And it will take practice. 
Because self likes to insert itself all the time. I want you to note, too, there's a second thing John tells us about the love of God. God's sacrificial love is tangible. The sacrificial love of God towards sinners is tangible. And because of this, the love that should be seen in those who have trusted in His Son, trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, should show itself in tangible ways. Look at verse 18 again. Verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, unselfish, sacrificial love is tangible. Even the world knows this. Even those who don't know Christ in this world, who, who are around believers, who say, people, when they look at people who call themselves believers, and you say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and I read my Bible, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and I... Maybe you don't even say those things, but you tell people you go to church, and the, and the world looks at those who go to church and, and knows that you ought to be practicing real love in tangible ways. I mean, when you claim you have the love of Christ, but that love never expresses itself tangibly, you're just asking for someone to call you a hypocrite. And that happens quickly in the world in which we live. Christians are such hypocrites. That's so well known, right? It should not be true. Sometimes it is true, isn't it? Sadly, it should not be true. We should work hard so that that would be false about anyone who would say that about us. That we would practice what we preach. Not allowing anyone to get away with having that kind of an accusation stick against us. You ought to practice what you preach. Yes, we should. Believers ought to learn how to love selflessly, sacrificially. Believers ought to learn how to give of themselves freely, joyfully. We must learn this. We must practice this. If you want to know what the life of a believer looks like, that's what it should look like. A growing obedience toward love, loving their brothers and sisters in Christ, loving those who need Christ. If the love of God is at work in those who believe in Christ, if God's love is growing in them, and if it's showing in tangible ways, then we can't be accused of being like the people challenged in James chapter 2 when it says of them in verses 15 and 16, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You see, we might look at needs all around us as believers and we say, and a common thing for us to say is, I'll pray for you. And we should. Please don't misunderstand me. We should, and we better pray for one another. We see needs, we, we ought to do that first. We ought to pray first. But if that's all we're willing to do, and we see a tangible need, and we have, what good is that? word of encouragement that I'll pray for you, that that kind of a way that we say, I'm concerned about you, I love you, I'll pray for you. God's word says, what good is that? If If your love isn't shown in tangible ways, it doesn't turn into action, what good is that? And so James says, real love does more than just talk. Believers, we are blessed 
God has richly blessed us. We are well provided for, not only in this world in which we live, but also this church is well provided for. We praise God for how God has blessed us as a church. But we ought never stop giving of ourselves to God in obedience to His Word, giving to see others' needs met through the ministries of this church and through our lives that leave this place and go into this community. John says here in 1 John that real love expresses itself both sacrificially and tangibly. Now back to a question that I posed earlier. How can I know I've truly trusted in Christ to save me from my sins? I want you to note this. There's something incredible that God does when the love of believers in Christ is growing in them as it should be. When you've truly trusted in Jesus Christ repenting of your sins, believing in Him for the forgiveness of your sins, and and His love is growing in you, there's going to be something that God does which is so gracious, something so incredible. When believers in Jesus Christ see the evidence of their new life in Christ, which is love showing itself in self-sacrificial ways, in tangible ways, when the love that God is growing in them when that love is in harmony with the love that Jesus showed us, when it's expressed sacrificially and tangibly, this brings assurance and confidence to our hearts that we belong to Him. When we can examine ourselves and say, I'm not doing this for selfish reasons. I don't want to do this for selfish reasons. God, help me not to do this for selfish reasons. Help me to do this because you love me. And I want to be obedient to your word and I want to love others in need. When God's love is growing in us in that way, this brings assurance and confidence to our hearts that we belong to Him, that He is changing us. I want you to look at verses 19 to 22 here in 1 John 3. We didn't read this earlier, but we can see here that growing, sacrificial, and tangible expressions of love in the lives of believers in Christ gives them assurance of their faith in Christ. Look at verse 19 as I read. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because He keeps, we, we, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. How can we know? You might say, how can I know I'm truly a believer? How can I know I've truly trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins being forgiven my sins and given eternal life in Christ, how can I know? God's Word says you'll know it because you'll see the evidence of your growing love toward other believers in sacrificial and tangible ways. It won't be just in word. 
And you might be hearing these things for the first time today. And you might be thinking, how can I have my sins forgiven? How can I have that kind of love that God gives growing in me, helping me be the person God wants me to be? How can I be forgiven? How can I receive eternal life? And in answer to those questions, I take you back to verse 23, which says that God has commanded something. Look at verse 23. God's commandment is that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. It means believing in what Jesus did, in who He was, God the Son, God made flesh, living a sinless life, being cruelly treated and crucified for our sins, not His. He was sinless. He lived a sinless life. Being buried and then rising again from the dead on the third day, which we celebrate today. Believing about Jesus, that truth. God's Word says, believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in His finished work. I praise God that this is a finished work, that He has accomplished our forgiveness. He has accomplished what, what, what we needed to be forgiven our sins. Trust in His finished work on the cross and believe that He was raised on the third day from the dead, which we celebrate today. Believe. Obey God's command to believe and you will be saved. And believers in Christ, those who have already trusted in Christ, you would say today, I've trusted in Christ. I believed in His Son. May I remind you that verse 23 also makes clear that believing in Jesus and loving one another is one command. Look at it again. And this is His commandment. No S. (laughs) Commandment, one that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. Believers, love is not optional. If you say you believe, love is not optional. You ought to be growing in your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You ought to also be growing in your love for unbelievers. Believers in Christ, those who've trusted in Christ, this is one command. Let's never forget this. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, praise God. Now grow in His love. Take very personally what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you on the cross and by rising again from the dead. Faith and love, they are a single command and they cannot be separated, believers. Please hear me on this. The world needs to see this at work in us, at at work in this world in which we live. When we go to work tomorrow, when we go to school tomorrow, when we get to our neighborhoods this afternoon, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, the world needs to see that faith and love cannot be separated from us. That we, we are both. We love God, and because of His love for us, we love people. We love others. We look for sacrificial selfless ways where we forget about ourselves. We forget about our own passions and desires and selfishness and, and we just start giving. We, before we even realize what we've done, we've given something very valuable away and we go, whoops. <laughs> well, I'm going to trust God. And God is gracious. 
Jesus this Easter Sunday and always is our example of this. Jesus never asked what it was going to cost him. In his humanity, it's encouraging to me that he cries out to God, if there is some other way, show it to me, but your will be done. The Lord Jesus Christ submitted to the Father's will, and it was the Father's will that his Son be crucified, and we can praise God for that today. This Easter Sunday, every Sunday, every day, Jesus is our example. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, I would suggest you not ask what Jesus would do. I would ask you think carefully about what Jesus did do. Think about what he did for you. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That is, through faith in Christ, believers ought to have this mind among ourselves. Who, though he was in the form of God, think of it, God in human flesh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't take advantage of his power. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I would suggest to you today, believers in Jesus Christ, if you want to be like Jesus then be willing to be called a servant. Be willing to be recognized as a servant. And have this mind among yourselves, believers. Unbelievers, I hope you're hearing God's word calling out to you today to trust in Jesus Christ. And we would love to help you with that. If you've never trusted in Christ, I would love to talk to you about that. There was no higher privilege than that to talk to you about how you can put your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can know personally God's love for you, so that you can start growing in God's love and sharing this wonderful truth with others who need to be forgiven of their sins also. Will you trust in Him? Will you believe in His Word? Will you believe in Jesus Christ?